I'm Ian Dallimore, and this is Digital and Dirt. We build our own coffee culture, and that coffee culture is centered around quality and ingredients and sustainability. Brad Pitt was a massive part of previous campaigns and, and the most current one. It wasn't launching a new product. It was innovating in a new category. All right, welcome back, guys. All right, my next guest, she is double-jointed. And yep, we started the podcast right with that. She was part of one of the historical format wars as the Blu-ray product manager at Samsung. And when they were the first to launch the Blu-ray technology in the US, first globally. And some people played with Legos, cars, or dolls. My guest here, she played Office when she was younger. And she is a 100% in on the family Family of five with three boys, ages 3, 17, and 21. My new friend, Vice President and Marketing Consumer Experiences at DeLonghi, North America, Maria Colon. How are you? Good. How are you? Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to have you. We were just joking before we hit record that the difficulty of having a son that's 21, but you just mentioned your son actually interns with you guys. So that's exciting. It, it is exciting. And, it, you know, it's, it's, I tried to actually sway him away from marketing, but he was full force trying to go into it. And we ended up getting an internship. Like I said, we're a family company, very entrepreneurial. So very supportive of the family and he's been learning a lot. So it's good to see him like in a different environment. Yeah. And it, I love, I, ever since I met you, we met at the New York ad club at the, at a home day back in December in 2022. And I've been trying to get you on for so long, but we'll, we'll dive deep in why it's been such a delay on having you. But one of the things that's interesting is in the out of home space, specifically at Lamar, you know, we are a fifth generation company. So it's founded by the Lamar Riley Switzer family. So our CEO, Sean Riley, and our former CEO and president, Kevin Riley, is now our uh, chairman of the board. And we actually talked about that. We talked about how he, and he's actually going to be a guest uh, to kick off next season. But we talked about that as we prepped last week and we really went into depth. And he said, you know, I didn't want to be in the billboard business at all. So to have your son kind of, he clearly has seen what mom has done and the, the work that you've done throughout your career. So it, it wasn't just by chance that he wanted to be in marketing. You know, you had a major impact, whether you wanted to sway him or not. Probably the passion that you have with, with what you do had such an impact, not only on your son, but obviously your teams as well. So let's, that's, I think that's a good spot to just kind of dive in, like you know, how you got started to where you are today. So as I shared, I have a very, you know, soft spot in my heart for Sony Electronics. That's actually where I started my career. And again, just like all, you know, transparent, like just putting everything out on the table. I was actually going to school full time and working full time at the same time. And Sony actually helped me pay for my college tuition. So hustler from the start, like, like you know, talking about Legos and me playing office, like I, I knew what I wanted to do from the beginning. And I had a very set, like, this is my goal. This is what I want to do. And luckily, you know, I got my foot in the door there and it was a really entry level. Like I was, you know, doing PowerPoints and expense reports and coordinating things. And I learned a lot. I learned a lot from like some amazing folks that I still talk to today. And that was before even 2000. Like I still remember like Y2K was like such a huge thing at Sony. Like, oh my God, what's going to happen? Y2K? Uh, nothing happened, obviously. But yeah, so that's where I started. And and then it just kind of, you know, went from went from there. So maybe for our guests, because I don't want to say you're old, but I'm older and I did experience the brief stint of Blu-ray, but maybe give our listeners, the younger listeners, 
Because I'm sure our producer here is like, what's a Blu-ray? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, so oh, it's so funny. Um, yeah, my kids are like, what is Blu-ray? I don't even know what that is. So, so I started at Sony, obviously, and then I just kind of made my way through to Samsung Electronics. I started there in 2004. In 2006, we launched the first global, first brand to globally launch Blu-ray. Now, Blu-ray, there was a big format war between HD, DVD, and Blu-ray, and what was the better format. And that was really the first time I think hardware and software, so like entertainment companies were coming together to kind of like figure out how do we can you know, completely like reinvigorate the market, both from like an average selling price, better consumer experience, selling, you know, all these different things, right? From like, again, just um, software to hardware. So yes, I mean, Samsung was on the Blu-ray front and um, there was a couple of others, obviously Panasonic, Sony, et cetera. And Toshiba was like on the HD DVD front, but I was the, uh, I was, so I, I started off as the DVD manager. So I was selling DVDs. I was selling actually even VHS at, at some point, which if you don't know Blu-ray, then you definitely don't know VHS. But at some point, you know, it just kind of transitioned into like, we need to be a market leader in this space. And I was able to launch that globally. So, uh, you know, there was a lot of like symposiums, a lot of like a whole bunch of different things that were going on that were super interesting to me. And I was like 24 years old. So it was it was cool to be a part of it. And I just I love to say that just because I feel like it's a pivotal point in if you if you follow any format wars, that's one of the format wars. Yeah. And that's, and that's not easy, right? Because you're, you guys were the company you were previously with, you are all in on, not all in, but you are in on this technology and this hardware, yes. which would yes. could easily be swayed, Yes, which is difficult for people today to think about, but you could, they could easily, the entertainment industry could have easily came in and just said like, this is where we're going and it could just shut off everything. And, that, and then yeah. and then done. Your business yeah. is done because you haven't solved for the other side of it, right? So, and actually, interestingly though, now I remember this, I'm thinking back so many, so many years ago, Samsung did solve, and they, they were even like a, a creator back then. They did solve for a unit that had both HD DVD mm. and Blu-ray. So there was um, a universal player actually. We had one of those. Did yeah. You? yeah. Yeah. It was super yeah. expensive. I didn't sell a lot of those, but that was kind of like the safeguard of like, eh, this doesn't happen. This is going to happen. So either way, like Sam, that, that's why they are who they are. But yeah, it was interesting to, to be part of all that. And, and what a pivot in today's world where everything is just software cloud-based yes. where it's like, okay, in the streaming. So now it's like the streaming war. So it's shifted from hardware yes. to like, okay, now we're it's like cloud wars. It's like, okay. hundred percent. And, and AI wars. Yeah. Oh, we're going to go there right out the shoot too. Yeah. We'll go chat GPT. That's actually how we, uh, faith our producer now, how, how she writes a lot of the, uh, blog. Posts. Oh my gosh. We had a whole session on it yesterday and it's, it's just like, yeah, it's like you could do actually the analogy was from one of our, uh, creators of one of the agencies that we work with and he, he you can run, you know, it's, it's a wave that's coming mm-hmm. yep. and you can either surf it or you can run for the hills. Like that's two things, you know? So, uh, so yeah, it was really interesting. So it's, it's a, it's a great segue into the importance of brand building. And, you know, before we dive deep into Talangi and, and what you do and what the company represents, talk to me a little bit about it. Cause you moving from, you, you've literally spent your career on some of the, the biggest brands. And so you've, you've been in this universe where brand building is so important, but it, People always say like, okay, if you go to school for marketing and advertising, it's super easy. You just have to have a creative brain, but that's really the furthest from the truth. So maybe touch on that a bit, the 
the importance of brand building and why you specifically love it so much. Yeah. I mean, I think especially today, so yes, creativity, fun things, beautiful things, artistic things, like those are all amazing things, right? But like we're in such a data-driven just mindset and market and, you know, the, like maybe even too much data at some point, but like, we really are in a very, in a very special time where I think marketers need to both embrace, like, if you're just all brand building, fine. If you're just all performance marketing, fine. But like, really for me, it's how do you blend both? And that's what we've been doing at DeLonghi. Like I've been there eight years. So I'll talk a little bit about that in a little bit, but I've been there for eight years. And from the beginning, it was really about, we need to build this brand because we need to drive awareness. But at the same time, like I need to show results now, not five years from now. Right. So like, how do you blend the both of them and what's the optimized mix and all that stuff. And by the way, I don't have like a secret sauce or anything like that. It's just kind of learn test, learn, and kind of go as, as, as you proceed and then figure out what is working and what's not working and tweak it from there. But I do think that you need to do both. I think that, you know, branding, building brand love, connection, awareness, that's ultimately what's going to set you apart. But performance is what's going to capture demand now. And, you know, I said this to, um, in a note that I sent to, to Faith earlier, like you have to plant in order to be able to harvest. So like, really, I, I look at those two things working in tandem. Yeah. Our, one of our previous guests, a few episodes back, she, she touched heavily on that. Like building a brand takes time. And oftentimes brands don't have that time because it's like, well, we may not be around to get to that point. But I, I think, I, and I love the point that you made, like at times we live in two data driven world and it's something that kind of plagues the out of home space a good bit because, you know, we've pivoted a good bit towards, okay, now you can measure, now you can, you know, have omni-channel campaigns with online and, and offline, offline being large format billboards. But it's, it's very difficult, right? Because if you're, you're a new brand and we'll dive straight into Delonghi, it's, if you're a new brand emerging onto the marketplace, but so the only me as a consumer, as a coffee drinker, the only thing that I'm getting hit with every day is like one specific ad because it's so targeted. You may be missing a whole outside group that I think you and I talked about it in New York. It's so easy. You know, my wife and I just got back from Austin on our anniversary and they had, lo and behold, at the resort, and I wanted to bring it up on the podcast, they had one of your units in, oh, yeah. Yeah, inside and it was a beautiful resort. And my wife was like, I've never seen this before. And it's because so often, you know, there there's so much targeted down to like non coffee non coffee drinkers. They're a, they're a no go. Yeah. yeah. And when you when you have that experience and you're you're interacted with a certain brand, it's not just about getting that targeted ad on Instagram, TikTok, YouTube. It could be just an overall experience. And I think that's one of the things that intrigued me about how you spoke at the uh, New York Ad Club. So tell our listeners a little bit more about Delonghi Group, and then we'll dive straight into this brand that I've now become infatuated with. And I'm, it's like sitting there on my wife's like, Hey, we need to replace this unit. And I won't even give it the time of day to say their name on the podcast. And we need to replace it with this. So first of all, I mean, we're like on a mission, right? So DeLonghi is, I think I, I sent over again, some information, but it's, we're one of the leading players in appliances overall. We're in over a hundred markets globally. We're based out of Treviso, Italy, which is 20 minutes away from Venice. So it's not the worst place to have to visit. Not at all. It's, it's beautiful. Our, our facilities are beautiful. Our, our marketing offices are amazing. But at the same time, we're associated with the world of coffee, kitchen and comfort. So in other countries, 
industries, we saw a lot of like convection ovens and we saw a lot of like, we even used to make like washer and dryers, vacuums. So a whole bunch of different appliances, like really, really well-versed in the world of small appliance. DeLonghi is comprised of multiple entities. So DeLonghi is the number one brand. We also have Kenwood, which is kind of like the Cuisinart of the UK. There are people that have their Kenwood cooking chefs and they like pass them down from families. If it like 50 years, this machine is in their, in their home, um, which I think speaks to like the integrity and the durability and, and just the quality of the brand. We also, and I think it was 2016, purchased the perpetual rights for licensing um, the Braun Home Appliance side of the business. So we don't do personal care, but anything that has to do with like home appliance, whether it's blenders or mixers or coffee makers or whatever from a bronze side, that's also us. And then most recently, the addition uh, has been Capital Brands, which is comprised of Nutribullet and Magic Bullet. So a lot like we're in the home, like we're passionate about the home. We're passionate about facilitating experiences. You want to make the best smoothie, you want to make the best pasta, you want to make the best meal, you want to make the best coffee, like where you go to. But at the core is really coffee. Like that's really where we are. And that's where we're focused on in North America. And when I came on, you know, eight years ago in 2015, it was really, you know, I had this opportunity to continue to build this really special brand that was known everywhere else. And like, you know, in Europe, like you, you say DeLonghi and it's like saying, Samsung, right? So it's like, it's like that. And I had an opportunity to come in and like really try to build that brand here, but also educate, educate the North American market on like, what is really better coffee? You know, why are we settling for subpar options and really kind of showing this trend that, that we continue to see on like this pursuit of quality, whether it's food, Uh, beverages, the ingredients that we use, even the cleaners that we use in our home. Like, how do we get better about quality of what we're ingesting and what we're presenting to ourselves and our family, like our most special, you know, folks? So anyway, coffee is not, is not an exception there. So really showing consumers that there's a better way, that there's, yes, there's some education that needs to happen, but really it starts with the better input from the beginning and a machine that can treat that better input better so that it's one plus one equals three, right? So that's that's kind of the, the overall. Yeah. And the big thing we talked about was just the, it's about an experience, right? I, I became a coffee drinker, honestly, purely because of my wife. Like I think, um, I have way too much energy anyway. So the idea of having an espresso and then I started following this very well-known nutritionist and then a few athletes. It's like, before you work out, take a shot of espresso. Oh yeah. That's huge though. Yeah. So now that 21 year old does it. Yeah. Oh Jesus. Yeah. So now that's kind of my jam. And then my wife and I, you know, we're both very busy with the kids and work and travel. And that's kind of been our, our moment. Now we do this thing now before I go to work before after the kids leave for school is we'll take 15 minutes, we'll sit by the pool and we'll have an espresso or she'll have a coffee. And we're going to upgrade that now right after this podcast. But it's about the experience that you're having. And I think too often, and you correct me if I'm wrong, but from my perspective, it's like, okay, coffee is associated with like rush first thing you do in the morning and it gives you the jolt and then you go. Whereas, and I want to get your take on it, going overseas, it's kind of like the moment where you, you take a moment. And I, I think that that's where I've been drawn in and, and we could talk about it a little bit more, but it, it's more about an experience than it is just like quick convenience and quality. Right. So 
two things. There's the cultural and there's research, right? So on the research side, like you hit on it 100%. There's coffee and then there's espresso and they're different. And coffee is like, I need to get going. I need to get through. I need to power through. I need to work. It's like routine. Blah. Espresso is a special moment. It's I'm creating. I'm enjoying. This is me time. So the way that they're looked from like a neurological standpoint, because we've done some of that too, like neurological um, testing is very different. Like consumer behavior is so different on it and perception and inception. So anyway, so th- so from a research standpoint, yes. And from a cultural standpoint, like I can't even tell you how many times we've had our folks from Italy come over and they're like, why are you taking this to go? Yeah. Why do you need this in a 20? Why is this iced? Because in Italy, you go to a bar, you have an espresso, you're standing there, you're drinking it, you're talking. It's like time to chat, right? It's like, again, it's a moment. It's a very special moment that's personalized to someone's life. And that's not the same thing here. We're just like, go, go, go. So how do you, and you can lead into this, how do you, how do you teach a cultural thing where the brand Ah. is, how do you teach that culture in a country that is the complete opposite in every yeah. facet of how they experience coffee and everything. Amazing question, which is why I love my job. And the the, the short answer is we don't because we're not Italy, right? We're, we're not. So we build our own coffee culture. And that coffee culture is centered around quality and ingredients and sustainability and farming and like everything that matters to the North American consumer. But I'm not going to say, hey, don't take this on the road, which is I think you're going to you know, go into why it took a little bit longer to, to try to do this podcast, which is we just launched an innovation that we said, you know what, like we know what matters to North American consumers and it's sizing and it's variety, it's versatility and it's strengths and it's all it's just everything that matters to us so the short answer is we don't because we're our own culture i love it yeah and you it, as much as i travel it's food and experience like when i say we went to austin for our anniversary it was hiking horseback riding a handful of things that you would do on a ranch but the rest of the time was spent like finding the best possible food places and and the experiences so touch on that Exactly. So touch on that a little bit. Like for you in the branding, is it more than just the coffee and the experience, but it's also like coffee with this, coffee with that? Oh my God. So first of all, we we look at coffee to be very similar to wine. If you think about varietals, if you think about like just region, like there's a lot of complexity in the world of coffee and it's very similar to the complexity and like experience of wine, right? So we look at um, two verticals very similarly and we over-index on a lot of wine enthusiasts, as you can imagine. But I mean, even in, in events, right? So I, I I handle marketing, I handle customer service. I, I do a lot for the company and the company does a lot for me. Like I, I really am very passionate about what we do, but a portion of that is like PR and events. And like, even in our events, I've had an event where We've done coffee tastings for every single dish that we've had. So every course had a coffee tasting and we've introduced it from a different region and we've paired it with the notes of the food or we've done food that has been coffee integrated. I've had steak with like coffee, you know, embellishments on top. So like I try to include it all together because at the end of the day, I know who our consumer is and what they love and how they pair it all together and educating them and showing them a different way 
is like paramount for me. So that helps you in, in your marketing efforts because you, it's a higher price point. It's a, it's yes. a quality machine. We're a premium brand. We're yes. a premium brand. So knowing that you're going after foodies, knowing that you're going after, you know, wine enthusiasts, it, it begins to help narrow down a bit. How do you, how do you narrow that down? Is it heavily use of data? Is it? So it's actually getting a little harder. I'll tell you because ironically, and I was just having this conversation yesterday, I'm, I am seeing our demographic becoming younger. Like I'm seeing our demo, you know, where I wasn't targeting under 25, I'm seeing that come to life. And you know why? It's because they've grown up with Starbucks and all they know is espresso-based drinks. All they know Mm -hmm. is iced. All they know are these like amazing, you know, drinks. Like they're not going for like a regular coffee light and sweet at Dunkin' Donuts, which I love by the way, but they're, they're not, they're not doing that. So, um, so I'm, I'm seeing that, which is getting a little bit more complex because yes, we have, we are targeting, we are a premium brand. We are targeting higher end, but we also need to pay attention to everyone else. Right. Like we, so again, I think we'll talk about this a little bit, but there's 30 million coffee machines that are sold annually in the U.S. versus 1.5 espresso. So there, there's a huge discrepancy and like like large headway, right, to go. And um, if we want to grow our brand, espresso, which is our core, we need to be able to tap into that, right? So how do I do that? So we do that through a lot of different avenues. We do that through a lot of data. We do that through our retail partners that help us. We do that through extensive marketing that we do, whether it's above the line, below the line, it feels antiquated to even say, but just, you know, anything that we do is very data driven, whether it's TV, whether it's even out of home, whether it's, you know, in-store moments, social, et cetera, we learn and we're, we're analyzing these things like bi-weekly and it's almost daunting, but I feel like we get smarter as we look at things. Um, and by the way, I don't know if I mentioned, I also manage our um, e-commerce business. So our D2C business, I mean, I'm not doing that. I have an amazing woman that is doing that, but but that's my responsibility. So I learn a lot from just first party data. Who's coming to the site? How much time are they spending? What are they buying? How did they get there? What did they ultimately buy depending on what we serve to them? So like a lot of information just kind of coalescing and figuring things out. But like our age range, and I, I hate to say this as a marketer, is like 18 to 65. Yeah, and it, and it is. So we just have different tactics and different channels and different messaging for different folks. Yeah. And that the younger generation, which I feel like you and I will throw ourselves in that younger generation, that that is the experience, right? Because you go off, you you may have a, a 12 course dinner tasting, you may go to a wine tasting, and then you may have that one moment where it's like, whoa, that was that was something different. Yeah. I never thought about that. How how can I bring that experience yeah. home? So I think that that's where it, it's very wise of you guys to to understand also, how did they get to the site? But what was the experience that led them to the site? What was the moment yeah. that led them to the site? And I know that that gets a little bit deeper into like the neurology of and the impacts and it goes beyond advertising and it goes beyond just like clicking on a banner ad or seeing a seeing a billboard on your commute to work. It that that's the key and that's kind of yeah. the holy grail there to like find like what was that moment? And I think having those having those events having those you know probably celebrity chefs that are out cooking and then now you're, you're introducing this it, it's all about the moment and the experience and and I, I will also say the younger generation you also appreciate having something a machine that's so beautiful looking in your kitchen I know my wife if she's buying anything for our kitchen that she helped design and oh yeah if you're putting it on the counter yeah. it's, it's like 
the car in your driveway, Correct. right? So, Same thing. So touch on that a little bit because the, the look and the feel of the machine, it's for all of them. And I'm on this site right now and we'll definitely drop, drop in the blog post the, to kind of help plug this. But, you know, the, the espresso maker, the, the automatic yeah. espresso, it just looks beautiful. And obviously that, yeah. that comes from the design in Italy and just the importance of that. I, I mean, I was going to say Italy is like, I mean, can you talk about another country that's known for craftsmanship and right. design and beauty? Like, yeah. So, so we're blessed in that way for sure. But our R and D works really hard on like what is working, what is, you know, resonating, what has worked throughout the years, what has worked throughout different markets, you know, collecting a lot of insights. So I'm really proud of that. But at the same time, we have amazing designers, like amazing designers, you know, the, um, the true brew that we just launched, which was our first non espresso machine that by the way, was only launched in North America because that was made specifically for our market. Yeah. But I, I guarantee you that again, the look and the feel and the way that these things look, it's, it's something like I, like I'd mentioned the espresso machine was set in into the lobby at the resort that we were at. It's, it's a, it's a focal piece. How, how, and I'm going to get you to talk about the launch. Cause obviously the true blue brew was the most recent launch. How is it a thought of, okay, people are now introduced to the brand in North America specifically because it's like, okay, drip coffee. Oh, wow. This is a beautiful product. It makes sense. Quality. I've tasted it. It's a great experience. I own the machine now. What is the path to have those people also purchase other you know, the espresso machine, because people that drink drip may also have espresso. How does, how does, does that thought go into your branding and marketing as well? A million percent. So every day we're looking at, is this cannibalizing, right? That's one thought. And then the other thought is what is the step up process? So we just launched in March, right? Like literally March 1st was our launch. So we're, we're still learning but we're trying to figure out what that relationship looks like. And again, we really can only go by like first party data. So we can only go by what we're doing on our site. Like what are people exposed to? What are they coming to? What do they ultimately buy? Do they come back? When we try to test and learn, whether it's through AB or, you know, ongoing messages, like how do we actually talk to them and what are they doing? So we're continuing to learn what that process looks like. But I would say just from a, you know, taking a step back standpoint, we do think that the consumer is different. We did believe from the beginning that the consumer was different. So we we planned our annual, we planned annually, we planned our annual media plan in that vein, that the consumer was different. Demographically, they'd be different, you know, for, for many different DMAs, et cetera. So we're continuing to like look at that and how it coalesces with what we actually thought. Yeah. And so going into the the launch of the the true brew, which you've been underwater with just in a cave, just cranking out. And obviously it was a successful launch and you guys killed it. So you've talked a lot about brand marketing and performing marketing separately. You guys, obviously you talk about how you're very passionate about this topic and the importance of blending because you touched on it a tad in the very beginning. Like so many people are like, all right, we're going to go down this performance marketing and you see it so often. It's like, all right, if I get another Instagram ad, TikTok ad, Snapchat ad with this same brand, like yeah. they are full in here. So yeah. touch on that a bit and and maybe like how the launch of this and what, how you use the two so perfectly together. 
Yeah, I mean, so on my next, like, give me three, you know, snippets, instead of saying Blu-ray, or maybe in addition to Blu-ray, I'm going to add True Brew, because it, it. it's it been a learning. Like I said, this company has been espresso, 100%. And Drip is so important to like Canada, by the way, we oversee Canada, US, Mexico. So it's been Drip is so important to the North American market, that it's a solely North American product. So we've had to learn, we've had to do a lot. We've had to learn a lot. We've had to cry a lot. (laughs) There's a lot that we've had to do there. But at the same time, you know, just figuring out like, how do we actually launch this new category? Because that was the intent. It wasn't launching a new product. It was innovating in a new category. And that's literally how when we sat there with the CEOs and the CMOs of our key retailers, all of them, whether U.S., Canada, Canadian Tire, you know, Best Buy, Williams-Sonoma, Target, like all of the key players and even the independent players that make such an important impact on our business, like that's really where we started. We're launching an innovative category. We want to create a category, a category where not only we're obviously propelling our own brand, but we're driving ASPs and sales and and interest in maybe a little bit more of a stagnant category. So they were all in. I mean, they were all, they were like, all right, what are you going to do about it? So obviously like sharing our plans, sharing our research, Brad obviously helps. So we can talk about him in a little bit, but like all of that has been amazing to being able to develop a category, share a category, create a category, and then figure out what the right balance is between all of the things that we need to do. So again, at a very high level, we still need to create awareness for our own brand, right? So traditional traditional models, not traditional buying out of home, you know, social, TV, all of that as part of our mix Again, not in a traditional buying way because we, we look at everything very data-driven, but also looking at how do we generate demand for our retail partners and how do we make sure that we're fueling the sale and how do we make sure that we're driving conversions? Like all of that has been, ve- like it's paramount to everything that we do. It, it always has been, but for True Brew, it's taken on like even, I would say like an amplifier. Yeah, because probably, you know, you've launched the same category on the espresso side for so long. So I don't want to say you've gotten kind of like complacent, but it's very much like, okay, this is kind of our, our broad brush game plan on marketing. And these, we'll just tweak this a tad. I mean, I I can only imagine why the tears came in and the joy because there is so much to starting from scratch. I mean, in essence, you're starting not only a, a, a unknown brand as it relates to this category, but like you said, it's a brand new category and a market that is just dying to have something to fulfill. So that had to have been fun. You, you touched on the notes a little bit about Marion TV and out of home with digital measurement. If you could touch on that a little bit deeper, and I know you talked about it at the New York ad club about previous campaigns, but we'd love mm-hmm. for our listeners to, to learn a little bit. Yeah. I mean, for us, we, we, so our CEO and, and like I always challenge the entire team, we need to be able to assess, like, what are we learning? So the days of just putting on a commercial on TV, I mean, like, that's not for us, right? So from a TV standpoint, for example, we have a very amazing partner that we can really optimize. We can look at, so we can look at what is not even the network. We can look at programming. What is the program that actually resonates most with our consumer, like day by day, flight by flight, and we can change that out on a monthly basis. And it comes, and we even 
we even drive back to our, our website. So we have a pixel on our website. So we can look at all different types of behavior, which you're not able to do with like traditional linear buying. And that's the way that, you know, the industry kind of grew up in, but that's not the way that we're relegated to um, today. And from an at-home standpoint, like at-home to me is such an amazing avenue for awareness, right? Whether it's spectaculars or more like frequency-based and efficient um, buys, but either either or, like they complement. And what I love to do, and I think I talked about this um, at the ad club and we still do, and, and it's the only way that I will do it, is like, continuous conversation with the consumer that's been exposed from like geographical and like like retargeting, right? So understanding how, how someone was exposed to something and being able to continue that conversation with them after. And we have seen, I mean, I, I saw this yesterday from one of our partners, like almost four times the benchmark of someone that's seen the out of home has been retargeted and has come to our site and has spent four times what an average consumer would actually spend on our site and converted. So like it works, yeah. right? So we're looking at all that data together. Yeah. And that, that was a, a pivotal moment and we're, we're still growing as an industry in that, but that was a pivotal moment of going programmatically to be able to, to lend itself to that because too often a brand like yourself or others would just look at out of home and just say like, okay, cool branding, you know, we'll put up some, some high profile sunset. We'll find maybe some vineyards and, and put up a high profile billboard there. And maybe it's a, a foodie event and we'll put up a billboard right outside the, the restaurant. And yeah. that, that unfortunately that works extremely well, but in a way it's kind of wasteful if that's your only avenue. So I, I love the way that you talk. Cause one of the things that we had to do is we had to pivot and we had to look a lot like performance-based marketing, but most importantly, and I say this to nauseam on stage and on the podcast, it's like no one woke up and was like, man, I can't wait to see that billboard or I can't wait to see that banner ad. Like no one did. Like you're you, you're in the people's space and it's just a part of the journey and where you hit that consumer may vary across DMAs, across individuals. Mm -hmm. So that's why it was important for us to look like that, to where you could see the behavior and maybe the out of home portion isn't working so well, or maybe it is working well, where in the past it was like, okay, well, my four week contract runs out in two weeks. I don't know how quickly I can yeah. drum up another plan, yeah. but yeah. utilizing that data and doing the device ID passbacks has been massive for us because now we can provide information to you and to the brands like yourself to, to really be a part of that consumer journey and really do yeah. what the job that out of and, and and by the way, I know this is not an out of home podcast, but like just to touch on out of home a little bit because I like I'm a big proponent of it. It's been so successful for us. Like really, the secret sauce is like blending everything, right? So it's like attribution, it's measurement, like what we're talking about, but it's also like the creative and the creativity, and it's gotten to the point where it's like wow, like you can really set a stage for a brand on an out of home platform. Like, so I think that it, all of those things have to kind of work together in tandem and it has to work with the rest of your marketing plan like that, you know, it can't just be in isolation like you're, you're talking about, but for us, it's been, I mean, it's been amazing. I love it. For us, it's been amazing. I love to hear that. And <clears throat> as we kind of go towards the back half of the podcast here, you know, you talk about creative, this guy's literally my favorite actor of all time. And he may be I think he's the most handsome human on earth. My best friend in high school. I think he was like on yeah. the times, whatever. Yeah, my best friend in high school. All the girls were like, oh my God, are you Brad Pitt's son? And we're like, oh God, Matt's not allowed to hang out with us anymore because everyone loves. But so Brad Pitt, 
was a massive part of previous campaigns and and the most current one. Touch on yeah. that because when I, as a male, you know, you very much, even though females don't feel this way and think this way that that men think this way, but it's like if we find a certain individual that is repping a brand, like we will buy everything. You know, like Joe Rogan's yeah. a huge person that you talk about certain health products. Yeah, and yeah, tell yeah. me I'm going to buy it. Or, Rogan, yeah. or so many other different individuals. And Brad Pitt's one of those like iconic American individuals yeah. that it's like, okay, yeah. I want everything in my life to look like Brad Pitt's life. And yeah, well, I'm, I'm not sure that we're there yet. But but I will tell you, like when we it was a it was a pretty daunting process. I mean, as a as a group, and it, this was spearheaded by our again our team in Treviso, but obviously we were included in it being a, a big market and also looking at the different celebrities that were coming from the U.S. I, mean, I think there was like over like 150 people that they looked at, like from Serena to Leo to Brad, like all over, right? Like women, men, different ethnicities, different cult, like all over. So ultimately it just kept dwindling down because we started looking at like, what are our core values and who are the folks that kind of stand for that? And in terms of like, passion and commitment and, um, you know, just love and for, for what you do and competency and all of these different things, like Brad ended up being, you know, one of the, one of the top four. And then he was like top one, but, but he also loves the brand. Like he also loves it. Uh, I think I mentioned this to you before, like he was shooting, I think ocean 14 in New York. And they were like, Brad needs a, a machine for his trailer. So I'm like, done yeah. right like okay he's he's he he appreciates the coffee he knows what good coffee is and he appreciates it so we're sending it to him going back to you know him and being involved with the brand i think he doesn't he doesn't have to work with any brand he picks and chooses the brands that he works with and they're d- definitely passion points so whether it's you know design because he's very big into like interior design, whether it's, you know, he's got a facial thing, whether it's his Chateau Merval, whether it's his Rosé, like all of these different things are areas that are like of passion to him. And I am not lying when I tell you like, he's probably one of the top like 1% of celebrities in the world, right? So globally he's renowned, but like he is that 1% and he's still involved in our creative. Wow. Yeah. He's, he still has this, he's like, no, no, yes, yes, no, here, there, there. So it's amazing. Well, and you, we talk about it a lot in, in advertising, like authenticity, like, and especially today. Oh my God. Like we live in a world where it's constant influencers and you're like, if I have to see another like detox tea or some nonsense from a influencer on Instagram or TikTok, but you can tell that he's, he's involved because you could see little points like, and we'll drop the commercial because you really immerse yourself. After I watched uh, one of the commercials, I was like, perfect. I want to move to the Palisades and drive a motorcycle and have espresso every morning and wear a leather (laughs) jacket. Right. So, but you could tell there was, there was points in the branding of the commercial that he he had. I mean, if you look at the true brew commercial, for example, like again, to the authentic person that he is and just who he is and how we embrace him as a, as a, as an entity, he literally just brought his dog to the shoot. Like he just wanted to bring her. And we were like, um, no, she's amazing. She needs to be in the commercial. And she was. And she's like in all our – Sunday is her name, by the way. And he would tell you, Sunday, not like the day. Mm. Like, hot fudge. Like, that's hot exactly fudge. how he right. said it, um, which was amazing. But, yeah, like that's that's who he is. Yeah. So we meet him where he, where he is. 
Yeah, which is which is says a lot about the brand itself. Like you're you're meeting the consumer. You you guys have pivoted towards something that was important in the North Americas and you're you're staying true to the roots of of the the brand itself and where it came yeah. from and just kind of and and I love that cuz I made the assumption that you had to change the culture in North America, but instead what you guys have really done a fantastic job is kind of flip it the other way. Yeah. 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 Um yeah. what as we kind of wrap up here, what what was kind of your the most exciting point that you had on the launch of True Brew and just like what gave you the most tears, tears of joy or cheers, tears. Of- oh boy. I, I wasn't prepared for that question. Um, tears, I would say, I mean, like, you know, it's, it, it's daunting to be able, we, again, we have a lean team. We do a lot. We play above our class weight, I would say, but we had to do a lot. And there was a lot of research. There were many years and just, you know, to get to the point where we actually launched it. And is this going to all work? Like, are consumers going to buy it? We're talking about they're, you know, they're used to buying a $70, maybe $30 machine. And here we are like, oh, $500, you know, so like, is it going to work? So I think that was the tears part of it. And I got to say, like, Sunday was my she was my, like, I loved her and I loved having her. And as soon as I saw her, I'm like, she's in everything. Love it. So that was, uh, that, you know, that was it. I, you could say like meeting Brad, of course, like meeting Brad was amazing. Um, but like meeting his dog was even more, even better. I love it. Well, and now hopefully all that hard work that you've put in, obviously the success of the brand. I love how the importance of blending the importance of creative data and just the the multimedia hitting what you can learn now and what you need to build for the future. Like it's got to coalesce. Otherwise there's no, there's no future. You have to be able to do both things, right? We've got, we've got shareholders we've got folks, stakeholders that want to know what is the ROI? Mm -hmm. What are we doing? What are we getting? What did it drive? How is it? How are we learning? How are we adapting? How are we optimizing? Like all of those things, hundred percent, but we still need to build a brand. So there's still that legacy thinking, but there's more of like the more traditional thinking. And like we touched on AI, that's going to put a spin on everything, everything, everything. Hopefully all that, that hard work, obviously the success of the brand, the new launch of the new, new category and the new brand has led you down another blueprint, successful blueprint and kind of looking forward to seeing the, the continued growth of the brand, but also how you guys are meeting the consumer kind of where they go. Thank you. Thank you. Greatly appreciative of your time and Definitely going to drop some of these links in and encourage people to go out and focus on quality. Don't worry about the price. You probably multiply your your Starbucks addiction. Quality and convenience. Here you go. There you go. I love it. Well, thank you so much. It's been such a pleasure. And I know our listeners are going to enjoy this as well. Thank you. Digital and Dirt is brought to you by Lamar Advertising. To learn more, check out the links in the description or go to lamar.com. If you enjoyed this podcast, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review on Spotify, Apple, or other platforms where podcasts are found. Thanks for listening.